Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kunz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. And my co-host with me is... Cindy Jennings. And we are on the beautiful shores of Lake Superior... Superior, a beautiful day in Duluth. I love how that the the introduction of the show says engaging. So we have to make this yeah. engaging today, Cindy. So yes. let's make this an engaging show. But before we do that, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, send your Spirit upon us that we may truly go about serving your will and spreading the gospel truth during this show. We pray that you may bless our guests, but most especially bless those that are listening, that they may truly experience Christ anew as they listen to the gospel spread through this media. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cindy, what are you going to do this beautiful day? Because it is so, this is like one of the nicest days we've had. I think I'm going to work on my lawn. You know, Great. mow it and pick weeds. <clears throat> Great. All that fun stuff. Great. Yeah, I think this yeah. is our second, maybe our third nice day in Duluth this spring. I just want to run outside and spend all day out I there. I know, I know. So after the show, maybe. All right. So anyhow, uh, we have uh, the Bishop of Duluth on the air with us. Bishop Felton, are you there? I am. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. It's good to have you, Bishop. Good morning. It's great to be back with you again. It's a beautiful day in Duluth, isn't it? It's a beautiful day in Duluth. Yes, it sounds like a great title for a song, but it is. It is precious <laughs> and it's beautiful, and every day we get like this, we treat it as a gift, which we should. It's all gift. Exactly. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. It has just been given to us as a precious gift to be appreciated to be embraced, and ultimately to say thank you to God. So, so Bishop, this morning as I uh, was getting ready for Mass, I realized that I was putting on green for the first time. Yeah. And so, so, and so, so it's like Mar- I went back and I checked on the calendar. March 1st was the last time I wore green, so it's been a long time. So obviously we just, you know, we're just finishing the Easter season, and we, we had the big feast of Pentecost last week. Maybe you can speak a little bit about Pentecost and how your experience of it was now as a, as a year-in bishop. You know, I think that, uh, first of all, the Feast of Pentecost is one of the great feasts of the Church, and the beginning, actually, uh, and birth of our Church in a very special way. But I also think uh, it's the culmination of everything that we had been embracing and embodying during the 50 days of the Easter season. So, of course, the Easter celebration and feast is the feast of all feasts. Everything leads to it, everything flows from it. But as we seek to ponder that mystery, that Paschal mystery of of uh, death and new life, of endings and beginnings, uh, for 50 days, that culminates ultimately in Jesus' promise that if he goes back to the Father, that he and the Father will send to us the Holy Spirit. And so that great, great Spirit is given to us and relived and embraced again on Pentecost, which means that the Spirit of all that we were trying to embrace and to believe during the 50 days of Easter is not about a season, but is about a way of life. And so as the Holy Spirit moves and dwells uh, within us and around us, we are called to be an Easter people 365 days of the year. And then the great thing is that uh, even though the Easter season has concluded with the great Feast of Pentecost, we kind of bask yet in that great spirit and in that light of the feast day. 
um, as we continue to celebrate uh, the Feast of the Holy Trinity, um, acknowledging the Father and the Son, sending that spirit and the oneness that, that they share with each other as one God in three persons. And then the following weekend, the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, the Feast of the Body and Blood, the Solemnity of the Body and Blood of Christ. So, I mean, this, this is a feast day that just goes on and on and on, and what a great thing. Yeah, it is a little weird. As priests, it's always a little weird to go from like one season, like one this, we've been so into Lent and Easter for so long, it's just kind of weird to be back in ordinary time. But I like what you said, how it's just, it's, it's a continuation, right? It's like what, what Sunday is to the week, Easter is to the year, that, uh, liturgically speaking. And we are, we are an Easter people. Uh, you know, one of, in, when I was in the seminary, they always used to joke that the hardest weekend to preach a homily was Trinity Sunday. And that's coming up, of course, because uh, this coming Sunday, the idea of the Trinity being such a difficult theological notion to understand. And if you misspeak even in the slightest amount, you're you're walking in, uh, into heresy, possibly. So maybe speak a little bit about what Trinity Sunday is and what does that sure, mean for sure. us as a church. You know, Trinity Sunday is, you know, based on uh, a deep doctrine of the church, in fact, you know, the foundational doctrine. And yet, you know, it really isn't so much, you know, about a something, uh, but about a someone. It's uh, based in a doctrine, but its reality is a relationship. And so, I mean, the Father loves the Son so deeply and perfectly, and the Son loves the Father so deeply and perfectly that we have a name for that love and the outpouring of that love, and that's called the Holy Spirit. And so it really is all about the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And through baptism, our invitation to actually be baptized into that relationship of the Father, Son, and Spirit, that we might embrace the fullness of life and love and joy um, that is the Holy Trinity itself. So it's a, you know, there's a mystery to it, there's a reason it's called a mystery, and yet at the same time, um, at least when I stop to think about it, not only as a precious doctrine and teaching of the Church, but even more so in my relationship to the Father, Son, and Spirit, um, it certainly makes it much more personal and relational. This past Sunday, um, we had, uh, I was at your um, confirmation of the, all the kids on East End of Duluth, and I liked what you said during the homily when you had made the comment about how, you know, we tend to be able to relate to God the Father, and we can relate to God the Son even more so, but we have a hard time relating to, to God the Holy Spirit. And on Trinity Sunday, of course, we had that Holy Spirit thing at Pentecost, but it's another opportunity on Trinity Sunday to 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 focus on the Holy Spirit. I mean, what what more would you say to the audience in regards to that idea of how do we relate to that person of the Trinity as compared to the other two? Right, you know, first of all, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit um, is not like love or life, but is life and love, and, and that's, that flows from the relationship of the Father to the Son and the Son to the Father. So, again, it's the outpouring of God's life, God's love, God's divine joy, God's divine mercy um, from their relationship into the world, and then our response, you know, to that. And so, you know, in the Holy Spirit... Um, like you just said, you know, often I'll ask, you know, when we pray, we often have an image of God, you know, that's in our head or heart, consciously or subconsciously. So a lot of us, when we pray, we pray to God or to God the Father. Many of us pray to Jesus, the Son of God. But not so much when it comes to people praying in and through the Holy Spirit. A little more elusive in that image, you know, kind of, of wind and of fire, um, a dove. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, to pray in the Holy Spirit is really the Spirit, as we're told in 1 Corinthians, 24-7, 
uh, is trying to bring us to Jesus Christ to claim him as Lord. No one says uh, Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And so kind of the Spirit is always trying to lead us into that relationship uh, with God, especially as Father and Son. So to surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit is to allow the Holy Spirit to take over, um, always leading us into that relationship of life and love and joy. And then how do we make that real in our lives as we share that same divine life, love, and joy with others. It's really, really uh, so profound and, and just beautiful. So, Bishop, I've only known you for a little over a year, but I would say that in my observation of you that um, uh, in the past year, anyhow, one of your themes, in, in, I would guess in your spirituality, is that the Spirit is moving. And so right. uh, um, maybe you can speak a little bit about that. I mean, you're in, when you talk about that, you're in reference to what's going on in the Diocese of Duluth and your sense of it. But how, how do you observe as bishop, how, what's your experience of the Spirit moving, at, in particular, in the Diocese of Duluth? Right, you know, and, and I think one of the elements of the Holy Spirit that provides some credible evidence of uh, the movement of the Holy Spirit is a stirring. Uh, sometimes in spirituality it's called a prompting. Um, there is something within us that's kind of a stirring. Uh, there's something within us that's prompting us to a particular action, to a particular response, to a call, uh, to a particular action. And anytime there's a prompting or a stirring, you got to pay attention to that because it might be a movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, there, there are ways to be able to discern, is it really the Holy Spirit or not, or is it just my self-initiative or something that I think is a good idea? But if it's of the Holy Spirit... Um, the other way that we might know uh, that it is of the Spirit and not just a self kind of initiative um, is that any action or anything that we do aligned to the Holy Spirit is always going to bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So there's going, there's going to be love, there's going to be um, uh, joy, there's going to be peace, there's going to be patience, there's going to be goodness, there's going to be kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So that when I am in alignment of the Spirit, those should be manifestations of the Spirit that lives within me that I'm sharing with others. And that's kind of a credible evidence that the action that I'm doing or what I'm going to pursue is aligned with the Spirit. Do you, uh, you know, as long as you've been kind of into this, do you see the Holy Spirit working differently now than before? I mean, is there times that there, you know, you can see maybe some darkness in the Holy Spirit uh, more more so than other times? You know, I, I think that, uh, first of all, I'm a, a, an advocate of a line from Willa Cather, an author uh, in her novel, Old Pioneers. And one of my favorite uh, things that she says in that novel is there are only two or three human stories that go on repeating themselves ferociously, just like the metalarchs have been singing the same five notes for thousands of years. And so I think the movement of the Holy Spirit, um, those two or three stories, you know, would include, you know, the tragedy, the sin, the dark side of our life, but always transformed um, in that spirit, um, in the, the life and the love and the mercy and the joy of God the Father and Son, and ultimately transforming our lives with the belief that uh, and that's the good news. Jesus put it another way. You know, he just said, the, the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe the good news. So I think when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit acts in and through any concrete time in history, and the specifics of that time. So whether the Holy Spirit is moving differently now than in the 19th or 18th century, I would say the Holy Spirit is very concrete, 
and works in the circumstances of life as they're presented for any given time. So the Holy Spirit is basically working in the course of today, first of mm-hmm. all. Every morning I pray, Holy Spirit, align me to whatever the will of God is for me today, because that's all I got. Yesterday's gone. I don't know I have tomorrow. But even more so, you know, that as we move uh, through this time, that the Holy Spirit is always kind of is drawing us to a relationship with the Son, who takes us relationship to the Father and draws us into that beautiful relationship of life and love with the Holy Trinity. I like that, um, uh, Michelle. I like that concept that that author said. You know about the 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 same thing over and over again. It, you know, it reminds you from Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. Right. And you know, I think that when uh, we're in a period of time, and there's always periods of time, but especially now, a lot of people are losing hope in what's going on in the world, what's going on in the church, and so. There's no problem that we're going through now that we haven't dealt with before. And yeah, I think, yeah, go ahead. I think there's no no uh, problem that we haven't dealt with before, but there can be new circumstances to problems presented in a way that's somewhat unique. Yet at the same time, the key is, you know, even in Jesus uh, proclaiming as he did so many times, you know, the reign of God is at hand, so it's it's here. You know, why can't we see that fully? Well, that's because of the veil of sin over our eyes, so repent. But the last part of that actually became my motto as a bishop. You know, do you believe this good news or not? Because if I believe that good news, then there's no room for despair. There's no room for kind of a fatal darkness, because ultimately we believe the reign and the kingdom of God, it it prevails. It's going to win. It already has won. And the victory is what we celebrated during Easter. So, So if I really believe the good news... Uh, that's going to impact the attitude and how I look at life and even the challenges of life that are before me. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's the one thing in parish life is uh, uh, I get a lot of people that come up to me in a real sense of a loss of hope and exactly what you're saying. It's like the Holy Spirit's already won. God already won. We are the Easter people, right, to right. go back to how we started. And so there's a, no need to despair, not at all. And so we're... We're talking to Bishop Daniel Felton of the Diocese of Duluth, and we'll continue this conversation right after this brief break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701 
2904503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, again, this is Father Richard Kunz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, and my co-host is... Cindy Jennings. We've been talking to Bishop Daniel Felton of our diocese in regards to the feast days that we just had, Pentecost and Trinity Sunday coming up. And then the one right after Trinity Sunday is one of my favorite liturgical feast days, the Feast of Corpus Christi. Uh, Bishop, maybe you can speak a little bit to the fe- uh, in regards to what that feast is about, and then after that, the event that we have planned here in our diocese. You know, it just it seems to make so much sense. So, you know, as we have celebrated the Feast of Easter, which again is, is the top of the mountain, everything uh, leads to that feast day, everything flows from it. But as we flow from the Feast of Easter for 50 days, pondering that great event, that great experience, that great relationship that we have with the risen Lord, you know, the context, you know, for that is, you know, the Holy Trinity. So the Father so loved the world that he sent his Son Jesus Christ into this world. And then as Jesus is going back to the Father, promises to send the Advocate, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And so that we would celebrate then the... uh, the Feast of Holy Trinity uh, seems to make a lot of sense. And then following that, you know, that would we uh, continue to celebrate the Feast of the Solemnity of the Body and Blood of Christ, um, or as we would know it as Corpus Christi, it's really celebrating the ongoing real presence of Jesus Christ. And so that's one of the challenges that we have, you know, in our own contemporary time. Um, we have a, a very important word, uh, transubstantiation, that we use um, to help us explain, you know, what real presence is. But uh, I think one of the things the uh, Eucharistic revival is going to do that we are doing as bishops for the next three years is just to help us to be able to go more deeply into, you know, what does it mean to say Corpus Christi, um, the real presence of Christ? Um, and then not only how do we explain that, but how do we experience that? And one of the ways that we experience that is on the feast day itself, um, there is a tradition of having Eucharistic processions. Um, that's a moment in time when we are actually carrying the real presence of Jesus, as we know and have come to encounter that Jesus in the Mass, and we carry that real presence of Jesus out into the world. Um, and so uh, the Eucharistic procession um, is always a public event, even if it's uh, uh, walking outside around the Church, um, it is a public statement of our belief in the real presence of Jesus, um, as Jesus is um, in the monstrance itself that is being carried. Monstrance, a Latin word, which means to show. Uh, and so we show uh, Jesus Christ um, to the world that is around us and pray the power of the presence of Jesus into that world. So, Bishop, just briefly, just to back up a little bit, uh, could you explain a little bit when you'd said at the uh, just a minute ago in regards to how the bishops are being intentional about the Eucharistic revival? Can you just say a word about that? Yeah. So, so uh, 
the bishops, you know, have uh, decided to take the heart and core of who we are uh, in our Catholic tradition, and that is the Mass of the Eucharist, and to kind of represent that in the 21st century. And so um, to really kind of re-embrace, again, uh, a deep understanding of the Mass, of the Eucharist, of adoration, of the heart and core of Jesus as being center, um, given to us by the Father, lived in the Spirit, but Jesus really being that real presence that we encounter here upon this earth, even to our own given day and age. So, and then kind of to, to say, well, what does real presence mean? Um, in the 21st century, and how might we represent that using uh, the great tradition we have of transubstantiation, but even now, what is the language that can speak to that or help people to understand that? So we, we're going to do that, uh, first of all, uh, at a diocesan level. Um, the revival kind of begins on the Feast of Corpus Christi uh, of this month, and for this next year, uh, we'll embrace that and, and express that and encounter that uh, in many different ways as a diocese. And then next year on the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, we would begin a Eucharistic revival uh, within each one of our parishes. And then the third year would be a Eucharistic revival on a national level when there will be a National Eucharistic Congress, which is kind of a national gathering. Um, of the whole country uh, into the Eucharist and into the um, body and blood of Jesus Christ. So it's very exciting. A revival, um, you know, comes from a word which which means to represent or to put back on stage uh, something that is, is kind of represented in such a way that this is really important. We put it back on the stage again to say, hey, we got to go back and pay attention to this, and we need to to represent this again. So, uh, so that's kind of at the heart of the Eucharistic uh, revival. So maybe you speak a little bit of uh, the, like the concrete specifics about what's going on here on uh, Corpus Christi in our diocese. Yeah, so to kick off, uh, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but anyway, uh, to begin our diocesan embrace of the Eucharistic revival, uh, we're going to have a diocesan Eucharistic uh, procession, a Corpus Christi procession. Um, Corpus Christi this year is on June 19th. Um, and so on that day, uh, beginning at the cathedral, there will be adoration that starts at the end of the 1030 Mass, just a time for us to come to be in the presence, the real presence of Jesus Christ, uh, as the Lord remains to us uh, in that presence, even after the Mass. And then we would have uh, the adoration take place until 3 o'clock, and then beginning at 3 o'clock from the cathedral here in Duluth, um, I will lead a Eucharistic uh, procession. And that will take us again outside, out into the public. And we will be walking uh, and processing with the Blessed Sacrament, with the real presence of Jesus through the neighborhoods of Duluth. Um, and we will process to um, St. Mary's Star of the Sea. Um, and once we get to that place, then we'll have prayer and benediction. So it's a very public expression of our deepest belief um, that we are carrying the real presence of Jesus Christ back out into the world. And the great thing is it'll stir up uh, people, you know, to kind of pay attention to what's happening here, to ask questions, why are they doing this, you know, what, what are they saying this is all about. So it, it's a, a one-way also for the Spirit who stirs, 
kind of disturb the hearts of not only those who are in procession, but those who might be observing the procession. You know, it was uh, it was uh, almost exactly 10 years ago. It was in 2012, I believe, is when we, maybe 2013, I, 2012, I think, is when we, I can't remember. No, it was eight years ago, 2015. But uh, when we had a big Eucharistic uh, um, uh, procession uh, when Bishop Serbo was our bishop, and I'll tell you, Bishop, I'm sure you've heard about this, it was one of the most ex- amazing experiences I've had, certainly in our local church. We had we had people from every organization and parish in the Diocese of Duluth do uh, be part of that, and it was I, I, there had to be thousands of people there. It was just an incredible experience, and and the streets were all blocked off, and we went all the way down to the deck, which was a little bit further. But we're gonna it's we're gonna pretty much be replicating that a little bit of a diff, different distance. But I'm sure that streets are gonna be blocked off for us. And and one of the things I remember as part of that um, procession, was all the people that were watching us, they were thinking, what in the heck is going on on our street? They were, probably weren't expecting it, you know, people that weren't Catholic, and, and everybody had a really good spirit about it. Even people were wondering what we were all about. And it was, I've just, I've, I can't tell you, I don't remember having such a tangible experience of the, of the Holy Spirit than when we had that Eucharistic procession back eight, nine years ago. And hopefully we'll replicate that. And so to right. really push that, you know, for our listeners, certainly yep. those that are in the Diocese of Duluth, to be part of that, mark your calendar for the 19th of June, because it's, if it's anything like the last one we had, it's going to be an incredible experience. Right. We even so had people that, in wheelchairs, too. Like, we had people yeah, that yeah. had issues did that you, made did it. You, did you go Yeah, I that? think George was in a wheelchair at the time. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, and uh, so what we're kind of envisioning, and only the Holy Spirit knows, because, again, talking about the Holy Spirit makes happen incredible things that are beyond our wildest imaginings. That's how we know it is of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, it, it may not be like the one that was done for the deck, which was months and months of planning, but it's, you know, somewhere between that and an individual procession in a parish. And so, you know, we're just hoping that anybody that can join us can be with us, allow the Spirit to move you and come and join us, and then the Spirit will take us where the Spirit wills on that particular day as we carry the very real presence of Jesus into our neighborhoods, which reminds us that our mission uh, that is before us is the, is the uh, transformation and the conversion of everyone who lives within our neighborhoods, not our parishes, within our neighborhoods. And so, you know, even by canon law, church law, we are responsible for the salvation of everybody who lives in the neighborhoods of our parishes. And one of the great ways to remind us of that and to bring that mission of Jesus to our neighborhoods is through a Eucharistic procession of this nature. So I'm really looking forward to it, and I invite everybody uh, to just come and be with us. Yes, I certainly want to encourage the listeners, any listener that's out there. I mean, if you happen to be in Duluth, it's a beautiful time of the year to be in Duluth. And if you want to share the the faith, the Catholic faith, in a very unique way, anybody that's listening, I strongly encourage them to come to this uh, uh, Eucharistic procession. The 19th of June, that's uh, uh, a week from this coming Sunday, the procession starts at 3 o'clock. Uh, we have adoration going from 10.30, uh, after the 10.30 Mass, at the cathedral until 3 p.m., and then Bishop Felton will be leading the procession, going for about two miles, and it will be a, an incredible experience. No matter what the size is, uh, pray for good weather, but I certainly encourage listeners to, to take advantage of that. Yes, it's right. going to be a great deal. And the reason we're going to uh, St. Mary's Star of the Sea, first of all, of Mary, that's important. So we're going from Our Lady of the Rosary to Mary, uh, Star of the Sea. But it also is the parish in our diocese that has the, I believe, 
the oldest tradition for Eucharistic adoration. Um, that would be also during the course of the week. Um, and so it's another reason to go there, um, just to remind ourselves of that precious gift that we have uh, to our diocese and those places in our diocese where there is many times uh, 24-7 Eucharistic adoration chapels. Yeah, that'll be good. So, yeah, it was um, uh, St. Mary's Star of the Sea. That, I think they've had Eucharistic adoration for about 30 years, perpetual yeah, adoration. Right. Yeah. Well, um, uh, uh Bishop, any other thoughts? I know we, you know you get you come on our show about once a month, and so um, uh, uh, any thoughts in regards to the summer coming now? And yeah, to, you know, I you just uh, summertime is is a precious gift that has been given to us. First of all, for people to realize that every day is a gift from God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And yet we celebrate that in so many ways. So we've got a regular church liturgical uh, events that happen, and those are so precious to us. And kind of through the summertime, you know, we'll be looking at, uh, as we talked about, Holy Trinity, the Feast of Corpus Christi. Uh, we'll be celebrating a variety of saints uh, in the month of July. We've got uh, a Holy Day um, of the Assumption of Mary. Um, in August, so so many liturgical events that remind us of the preciousness and celebration of life, but also as parishes, we have usually parish picnics that are going on and festivals and so many other ways that we're celebrating life as well. And especially for uh, parish picnics, I'm not sure I'm going to have to check it out this summer uh, to see how prevalent that is in our own diocese, but, you know, the diocese where I came from, there were huge parish picnics uh, throughout the summertime, and it's a wonderful opportunity for evangelization. So lots of people come who are not churched or don't belong to a particular parish. And if you can be very intentional about some relational ministry uh, during that period of time, just talking to people, getting to know their name, a little bit about them, you know, develop that relationship, which always, anytime we develop relationship, it's drawing us into the relationship of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, who knows? The impact of that person might be, you know, maybe I should check this place out or... Maybe I should come back and, and, and uh, go to Mass. So our parish festivals are to celebrate life, uh, but parish picnics can also be a great occasion for some evangelization and invitation uh, for people to encounter Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much, Bishop. Thank you very much Thank for this you, conversation, Bishop. and uh, um, uh, hopefully next month as well. So uh, thanks for being our guest this morning. Very good, so. and blessings on the rest of the day. All right, God bless. Goodbye. After this brief break, we'll... Continue on with Straight Talk. Call in your questions. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 